0: Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is The Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey, everyone. Here's Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show. And uh, today I'm here with Colin. He's from California, Los Angeles. Hey, Colin, how are you today? Good, man. How about you? Yeah, everything is great. Everything is great. Very busy day. Um, So with Colin, we will talk about a very interesting topic today, acquisitions uh, and uh, also uh, attribution and uh, very interesting topics for uh, brand owners. Um, I know Probably there are two things why most e-commerce uh, guys, they build their businesses. One of them is selling, and probably the other one is just leaving a big legacy, a huge le- legacy. Um, and uh, with Colin, I think we can talk a lot about acquisitions, uh, but probably legacy as well. <laughs> so um, Colin, please uh, tell us more about your, your past, your history. Um, how did you... How did you get started in the marketing and e-commerce world?
1: Yeah, um, that was a very, very, very long time ago. <laughs> um, so I actually kind of accidentally got started with e-commerce um, when I was in college. Um, and, and by, you know, basically late 2010, early 2011, um, I was selling online using paid ads. Um, so I've been doing this now for, for 10 years. Um, you know, I got involved before drop shipping before the term drop shipping or print on demand or any of these, um, you know, current terms were, uh, were around, you know, I was, I wasn't printing on demand. I was printing on a local print shop, um, you know, printing and shipping t-shirts. Um, I was, you know, buying, um, you know a few thousand a few hundred to a few thousand um items from china holding them in like you know my my, my apartment you know um, after college and you know boxing and shipping them myself um and and so i've been you know involved in e-commerce for for basically the the better part of 10 years i did take a couple of small breaks from e-commerce uh went and and worked at a uh, insurance brokerage and, and risk management consultancy um went and, and i was actually running a a, 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 a an event production business um, and then you know have always kind of come back to e-commerce now for the last uh since 2015 so for the last you know five years um, i've been just uh, completely focused on on e-commerce and specifically not necessarily just e-commerce but you know, direct to consumer, uh, CPG brands. Um, so yeah.
0: Amazing. Um, I always uh, love to ask uh, this question from people who started e-commerce a long time ago. So what are the main differences today compared to the time when you started out?
1: Uh, I say this all the time, but when I started in e-commerce, um, it was a very taboo topic. It was almost like talking about like being involved in like the cannabis industry or something like that. Um, lots of people, you know what I mean? Like I had heard rumors a lot that, you know, I was scamming people on the internet. A lot of people, most people just didn't believe in it. Friends, family, uh, you know, girlfriends, um, no one really believed in it cause it wasn't like a career path. Um, you know, people told me to get a real job. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was the complete opposite of what it is right now. No one wanted to talk to me about it. Right. Like you and I, I've done three other podcasts this week already. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that want to talk to me about this now that no one wanted to talk about it you know, one of the other big things is that, you know, I was involved in the startup world, you know, kind of started dabbling in, in, in tech, um, in SaaS. you know, in, in, you know, mobile apps. Um, and when I would tell people about my background in e-commerce, like it just got brushed under the rug. Um, you know, it was, it wasn't impressive to anyone who is, you know, um, in tech at that time. Um, And and so the number one biggest thing that I've noticed is like, you know, now it's one of the coolest things you can do. And when I got started, I was almost ashamed of telling people what I was doing because no one thought it was legitimate. Uh, You know, I even psyched myself out there, you know, for a few years. You know, you can get down on yourself when you have so much external uh, pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I took a couple of small breaks away from e-commerce and, and digital marketing in general uh, to go and do things that were more well-respected, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which are totally different now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you are back and uh, you are crushing it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so before this, uh, before the recording, we talked about attribution and uh, I think if you want to grow beyond a certain level, it becomes a very important topic because um, there are different software tools, and uh, honestly, it's probably one of the biggest, um, you know, scams. We can probably we can say that um, the attribution window and how the different software marketing software tools they attribute the revenue, because you might think, oh yeah, I did 100k this month with this tool. But in the meantime, just something else happened. And um, how do you see this problem? Um, and this problem will be solved? There are so many attribution models, or or it's really hard. And uh... yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually just kind of like
1: opening up my notes because um, you know I've been thinking about this a lot recently. You know, we we did multiple eight figures in e-commerce revenue last year. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to, you know, I was a very early adopter to Facebook and, adver- uh, and Instagram advertising you know, I was a very early adopter to Google advertising. I was a very early adopter to e-commerce in general. Right. Um, you know, not many people, especially my age, have been doing this for, for 10 years. Um, and one of the things that has kept me and my group, in my opinion, you know, at the front of the pack, you know, maybe not necessarily leading in the innovation of things, um, but constantly being an early adopter yep. um, to the right things. Right. Like, you know, uh, over the last you know, year and a half, it was SMS marketing. Right. You know, we're we're doing about 30 percent of our annual revenue uh, is is being powered by SMS. Um and, and so the the thing is is that you you, you have to realize how e commerce and digital marketing and privacy laws and the uh, barrier to entry for new players um, and you know how competitive it is right now how saturated it is you have to realize that all of that means that you have to become you can no longer just throw a bunch of money at Facebook and Instagram and Google and Snapchat and um, you know look at the ads manager reporting and you know what I mean know that you're just still wildly profitable Um, those days are gone uh, in, in my opinion the reason for it is you know great example is like, you know, the iOS 14 updates, you know what I mean? Like blocking third party cookies, right? You have to have a first party cookie or you have to have server side tracking. Um, Another big thing that we're seeing right now is a lot of people are, you know, claiming that they're having a lot of significant issues with Facebook related ad performance. Um, And, you know, a lot of that isn't just, um, you know, the fact that it's getting more competitive because it is. But it's also because the it's an algorithmic based ad platform, right? Um, you know, data powers it, and when you're missing the when Facebook is missing the attribution because you know the Facebook pixel is no longer accurate, and you know they're missing upper funnel stuff. Right now, the conversions API integration between Shopify and Facebook only only tracks purchase events, and so. You know, you're missing your upper funnel metrics like view contents and add to carts, and you know SMS opt-ins yeah. or email opt-ins, right? And so, the ad platforms right now are having a harder time uh, getting the data nodes that it needs in order to properly optimize and serve your ads and be as effective as it was months ago. And that and that's for privacy reasons, right? Um, And so what does that mean? Well, that means like you have to not just an attribution model like you broke up, like you actually have to have to have like a first party cookie attribution, uh, you know, set up or you have to have server side tracking set up. And so that's right now what, you know, myself and my team are, are very, very, very heavily focused on is how do we make sure that. Our ad platforms that allow server-side tracking? You know, how do we make sure that these platforms are getting the data that they need to optimize? That's number one. Number two, then when we're running multi-channel marketing across Facebook and Instagram, Google, YouTube, Google Display Network, Snapchat, Pinterest, Cora, right? Uh Bing, when we're running ads uh, on all these platforms, where is the one centralized place that we can You know reliably look and see based on whatever attribution model we decide you know how all of these ad platforms are performing and you know the the one you know you asked me earlier this is this was going to be my my second answer if i didn't tell you how much has e-commerce changed e-commerce is and and digital marketing has changed a lot because you are now almost required to advertise on multiple platforms right being a brand that is only on Facebook and Instagram is just, it it doesn't work as effectively. You're not actually not as profitable in, you know, if you have just a remarketing strategy on Snapchat or just a remarketing strategy on YouTube or just a remarketing strategy on Pinterest, and maybe you're doing all of your prospecting on Facebook and Instagram, you need to have, you know, your brand needs to be in multiple places now. Everyone's super connected. They're using multiple platforms. You know, Facebook and Instagram can't be, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. You know, you could get cheaper, you know, costs uh, on these other platforms and make your business more profitable. And also like you need to get started. Like, you know, Facebook is starting to show exactly how competitive it's going to be, you know, how well regulated the platform is going to be. And you have to be prepared to switch over to other platforms. Like you have to have a multi-channel strategy, you know, for us right now. You know we're trying to take brands from 1 million to 5 million or from 5 million to 10 million and and some of them you know from 10 million to 20 million um and when we're thinking about doing that like you have to have accurate data right like just like having good you know having good attribution and reporting like good is the enemy of great right jim, jim collinson um i love that quote you know he says good is the enemy of great like we can't just be good at attribution and analytics anymore. Like we have to be great. If you want to compete with people like me, just know that there's someone like me and that there's some, some of my friends that are really brilliant that are doing this. And if you want to compete with people like me and us, like you have to be doing this. And so I have to be doing it right. Like, um, and so do you, like if you're watching this and you know, you want to be good, you know, you want to be great at this and not just good. Like these are the things you have to pay attention to is, attribution, analytics, reporting. And attribution is two-sided, giving the platform the data that it needs to optimize so you can, so the platform, because it's algorithmic. And then number two, having really clear data uh, points that you can make yeah. decisions on yourself.
0: I can see so many companies ignoring the second point. Um, they measure the data and they rely on it, but they don't know how it is measured. And uh, they just have no idea that, about the configuration. And um, also, what I can see, let's say six, seven-figure businesses, versus eight-figure, nine-figure businesses, eight, nine-figure businesses—they understand their data, they know how to measure it, and uh, we can see so many six, seven-figure brands, and and they don't measure it, they don't know how it should be measured. Maybe just the owner is not an analytical person, which is fine. You can hire someone, um, but our agency we try to educate people we started doing uh conversion optimization last year we have a super uh expert in the team who is very analytical and um yeah we we have to educate the market basically because we can see so yeah. many small brands ignoring this topic and not just right. as i said not just um it's one thing that they rely on the data or not. But the other thing is they don't even know the data is measured, not in the right way. And that's a problem.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another thing is, you know, the the numbers don't lie, but you can also misread the numbers. Right. And so that's the other importance of like, you have to build and refine your system and look at numbers and chop them up a different way. And use a platform that you have experience and, and, you know, uh, the, the, the realistic thing is like, you're going to be a beginner sometime and you're going to make a lot of mistakes, just like, you know, if you're going to make mistakes, media buying, you're going to make mistakes and in, in, in reporting and analytics and attribution, and you have to be prepared to make those mistakes and learn from them and move on. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's the new, that, that's new e-commerce right there, you know, that, yeah. in, in my opinion
0: yeah yeah I agree one hundred percent um please tell us more about acquisitions because to be honest for me it's a pretty it's a very new topic um I don't have experience with it, and uh I think many of our listeners they they just you know they don't have the experience um with this, so please tell yeah. us more how it works what are your plans regarding this, how you can grow by acquisitions yeah um
1: so you know. For us, we, we've spent the last three years building out our team uh, to be fully integrated to manage and operate and grow um, e-commerce businesses. So we have everything from, you know, on all of the digital marketing and and, and growth side of things, we have everything, you know, we have a, a website design and development team. We have, you know, a full suite of designers, everything from animators to illustrators and um through we actually have content production we have a small one person content production team here in la Mm -hmm. um you know we have media buyers on every major platform project management copywriters email and sms specialists social media managers i mean like anything that you could possibly need to operate the front end and the growth side um of a of an e-commerce business um, we have on the team and then the, the other half of our team is is what we call customer operations or, or the operations side of our team. And so we have uh, fulfillment vendor management um, and customer service in house here. Um, so we do, you know, so we can basically build, um, buy and grow, um, you know, and scale at any, you know, pretty much we're, we're set up right now currently to, Um, Build and acquire our own brands in addition to the strategic partnerships that we have on the royalty side of things. Um, You know, so we operate 12 brands currently. Um, And what our goal is this year is to uh, we're looking to buy two to three brands. We want to acquire a brand. um, And we're also looking to, you know, we're also building a couple right now. Um, And the reason why we're buying them is because you, you know, it, it helps you get there faster, right? You're, you found like a, a brand that has traction, you know, profitable traction. They're profiting. It, they're showing a healthy track record, and so we're looking to buy those brands. Now, um, the thing is, is we like to buy brands that really aren't for sale, um, because the ones that are for sale, typically, we're finding that um, the e-commerce, you know, marketplace right now, in, in regards to you know, uh, buying and selling brands. People are overpricing their e-commerce businesses. It's very hot right to make now. Money. Yeah, they, they want to make a lot more money than, than the business is worth. You know, if you were to take a look at like a, you know, a, a, a car wash or a dry cleaning business or a plumbing business or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Those businesses are typically multiple years old. They have, a, you know, a track record, two, three, four, five years, right? Minimum two. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these e-commerce businesses don't have this type of track record and, and, you know, maybe they might have been around for two years, but, you know, half of the first year was completely unprofitable. You know, the other thing is, you know, they have very, very, very little to no employee costs because they're, you know, when they were first getting started, they used, you know, overseas VAs. um or they were a specialist themselves and so they were able to write all the copy do all the media buying you know do all the web design you know whatever all themselves and and they don't realize that like you know if i buy that company i'm gonna have those employee costs right like and i'm not gonna hire vas right because i want to make this a legitimate company right not not someone's hustle you know what i mean and so, you know, then they they take this net profit number and they just assume they're going to get like a three to four multiple um, on this net profit. Or, you know, sometimes you know, people refer to it as EBITDA, which is a little bit different in the e-commerce world, in my opinion. But, um, you know, really in the acquisition space, like, you know, you have to have a really, really, really strong brand. You have to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of like real followers, like a really high customer reorder rate, like, you know, uh, being extremely profitable, you know, having an IP protected product, something that's patented, something that's trademarked that no one else can you know do or say. And then that's when you get to the, like the 3 4x multiple, right? But you know until then, first of all, if you have a business that's not even 24 months old and doesn't have 24 month track record of profitability, using that using that model to value your business, is not accurate. Um, you know, we're looking for brands that are younger brands, you know what I mean? And we're willing to pay, you know, smart, smart investors right now in the e-commerce space, people that aren't overpaying. And by the way, there's a lot of people that are completely overpaying for these businesses. Like, yeah, you, you, I'm connected in with like website closers and Flippa and, um, you know, all of those different types of, uh, you know, e-commerce business marketplaces and tech business marketplaces, they're taking, you know, somehow coming to like 700 grand in profit and then selling the business for $1,800 or, you know, $2,400 or something like that. And it's like, okay, l- l- let me open this thing up. Let me see what the real profitability is, right? L- let me see what the real employee costs were. Like, do they actually, you know, how long has this brand been around? And there's some brands that absolutely do, um, you know, are absolutely worth, you know, three, four, five X multiple or a three X multiple because they've been around for three years, right? And they have, you know, a proven track record um but the 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 younger brands there's a lot of younger brands that don't qualify for that type of um uh, value modeling and yet they're still selling for that and so we're looking for brands that this is what we pay we'll pay two to three times net profit but we need a fair evaluation of net profit number one right number two is, you know, we'll pay you for all your inventory, whatever you paid for it and whatever you paid to get it to the United States uh, or to your, you know, to the 3PL facility, like, you know, you're typically gonna get like, you know, two to three X, you know, your profit um, plus, you know, get paid for all of your inventory. And that's great for a lot of these smaller entrepreneurs that just want to get out of what they're doing. Maybe yeah. they decided they don't love it They're you know, they don't know how to get it to the next level. And hey, you know, I'll take 75 grand plus my prop, you know, plus all of this money I have tied up in inventory, you know, I'll take, you know, 115 grand to walk away from this and sell it, you know, sell it to these guys, you know, and spend the next, basically we, we typically ask for about like, you know. Nine weeks of help during the transition process, making sure we're getting introduced to everyone properly. Yeah. Um, but you know th- that that that's what the acquisition world looks like on the e-commerce side. You can either go two routes. You can you know work with a website closers. Uh, you know you can list it on Flippa. There's a lot of different options, um, and there's a lot of suckers out there that are overpaying for stuff, right? But you know I've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know I went to college uh, you know, got a got a four-year degree and you know was, you know, traditionally educated on, you know, MA stuff and realizing that, you know, everything that's going on in the e-commerce space right now, as much as I am, you know, an e-commerce person, there's a lot of silly things going on right now in this industry. Um, and it's it's not gonna continue like that, I don't think, um, for for very long. I mean. Over the next year or so, people are still going to continue to overpay, but then people are going to realize that, you know, these businesses are only worth, you know, maybe the the, the, the value modeling will change uh, yeah. and adopt slightly. But yeah, I mean, I guess, does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, very, very detailed, uh, very detailed answer. And thanks for that. Um, I, I think the same. Like now, there is um, there is an abundance uh, of of money in on the market in general. Probably it will change. We will see. And uh, like one year ago, I expected the coronavirus will change things, but actually, not really so far. I mean, e-commerce is still booming, right? Um, so so yeah. Um, what do you think about personal brands? If there is an e-commerce business, it's built around the personal brand. Um, is it sellable or it must be, or what can be done? Yeah.
1: I mean, like, are you, are you referring to like, you know, someone who owns a a business and they themselves are kind of like the face of the business. It's not necessarily like, you know, Brad Smith and then like, he sells Brad Smith shirts, but the company is called like, you know, ABC company. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of the face of it. I mean, yeah, there's always a, you know, that's always an opportunity. I mean, um, you know, uh, listen, I I would be totally interested in, in buying like an influencer or a celebrity brand, um, Mm -hmm. and negotiating an agreement for them to remain the face of the company for, you know, two or three year contract or something like that. um, you know, so that we can continue to operate the brand together. Right. And they, they take a back seat, you know what I mean? They don't have to play such an active role in running and operating and growing the business. Uh, but, you know, still get to, you know, do all the fun part, which is, you know, be the face of the business for sure. A hundred percent. I think, you know, those brands definitely have value. I mean, there's more inherent risk um, in those yeah. because you could control less of it. And, you know, that person could go rogue, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Those are interesting to me, too.
0: Yeah, you should know the person very well to trust that person and operate it together. And what do you think about e-commerce businesses where there is a good product, very good audience, but uh, the operations are very bad and it's not profitable. Employees are not really engaged and these kind of things.
1: Yeah, you know, great, great question. Um, Truthfully, the... There's a lot of these, right? They don't actually get to profitable traction, but they have a great product that has a lot of uh, opportunity. Um, you know, we I, I've worked on a lot of these types of projects where we believe in the product It's totally unproven. And, um, you know, yet maybe the founders or the co-founders or whatever, they're just not, they just don't know what they're doing in e-commerce. They hire a couple of agencies, you know, agencies yeah. aren't very good, um, you know, I like these brands because my team is really specialized, and we have a great, proven system and a model for getting these brands a profitable traction and scaling. So um, I love those types of deals personally, um, mm-hmm. but it, the product has to be right, and I have to you know do a good amount of due dil- a personal amount of due diligence, making sure that you know uh, you know I think that this is going to work.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think if you want to jump into this world, then you really have to know what you are good at, what you are not good at and your team, and then uh, keep those boundaries. Um, Colin, is there anything else that you want to add? Maybe one more tip for people who want to um, buy up other e-commerce companies?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, if you're buying right now, just make sure you don't overpay. Um, There's a lot of inherent risk in e-commerce i mean you know you could get your business manager disabled you know and it's very difficult to work with facebook to get it back like you know make sure you're not overpaying for brands and make sure you're assessing the risk on that investment uh very well um and of course you know do all of your due diligence to make sure that you know all the expenses were tracked all the revenue is properly tracked um you know make sure you're getting all of those assets um you know all of the business assets um and also make sure that the businesses taxes were paid there's a lot of e-commerce guys <laughs> that don't like to pay their wow. taxes that's a good um, point so you know check that out um and yeah, I mean, that, that's really it on the acquisition side of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks thanks for sharing all of these today. And uh, if anyone wants to find you where they can reach out to you.
1: Yeah, um, I would love to connect with anyone um, on Instagram. Uh, my name is Colin McGuire. Um, my Instagram handle is at Colin Magoo, M-C-G-O-O. Um, you know, sh- you know sh- uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. Um, I'll reply there. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot more writing this year. Uh, I've been joining a lot more podcasts. One, you know, one of my goals is to create more content this year. Um, so, uh, and, and specifically I want to do some more writing. I've got a couple of things slotted, uh, hopefully um, for like a Forbes or an ink placement. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll share that stuff on my Instagram. So connect with me there. At, you know, would love to connect with anyone watching this and, you know, uh, have have fun conversations.
0: Amazing. I'm following both companies and uh, I'm really looking forward to read your uh, your articles, Colleen. Um, yeah. Thanks for uh, joining us uh, today again. And thanks for everyone who listened to us today. And uh, every Thursday we are coming out with a new episode. So stay tuned. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing, or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode, and don't forget our goal: grow your e-commerce business together.